Welcome to Growing in the Gospel. It is the first Sunday of Lent. Wither and stone. We reach for protection. Well, hope you're doing well. Lent is here. So I'm recording this on Tuesday, so if you catch up a little bit later, um, yeah, Ash Wednesday is tomorrow, and here we go. Lent is here, and hopefully you've been taking some time to really prepare yourself to, to get ready. But if not, you know, the Lord can work with that. I just encourage you just to be humble and be open to what the Lord is calling you to do. And I encourage you just to do little things with great love. You know, I think sometimes we come into Lent with this great ambition, I'm going to do all these things. Uh, but I don't really do any things, the little things well yet. So maybe just take the time, uh, not be afraid to press pause right now, take a deep, few deep breaths and just ask the Lord, you know, where or what do you desire me to do? So when I come into Lent, I'm receptive. I'm open. You know, it's going to hurt to die to self, but that's what the Lord calls us to do. And he did it first, so he leads the way. Our gospel this weekend comes from Matthew 4, 1 through 11. I just encourage you as always, just, you know, uh, spend time with the word, you know, get used to using your Bible. If, if it's not a habit yet, don't be afraid, just, just take it out. If you can, always have a friend with you. Um, I think it's always important to, to walk shoulder to shoulder or even have a small group Bible study. So call upon the Holy Spirit, ask the Lord to reveal to you his word, his will, and being humble enough to be honest with where he may be convicting you to die to self. And if, if anything, you know, make it a goal this weekend, go to go to confession and, and start with a clean slate. It's the best way to, to start Lent, I believe. So our gospel begins with from Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11. At that time, Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And afterwards, he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of a temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnific- magnificence. And he said to him, All these I shall give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God you shall worship and him alone you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Powerful gospel, as always, and I'll try to open it up a little bit for you, so as you head into Sunday, you'll be a little more prepared. So in this gospel, we're in a new chapter, and it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit. So what's going on there? into the wilderness, into the desert. You know, the, the desert and the wilderness, it doesn't mean like sandy dunes. I think a lot of times as Americans, we just kind of go there. But it just means like a deserted place where nobody is. So Matthew's temptation narrative recounts five of Jesus' spiritual preparations 
for his ministry. So the event here contrasts the disobedience of ancient Israel with the dis with the I'm sorry the obedience of Jesus. Sorry, Jesus. Uh, which is representative of the new Israel. So the first thing is Israel and Jesus are both called God's son. You can see that in Exodus 4.22 and Matthew 3.17. And also the temptations of both Israel and Jesus are preceded by baptism. So right before this, Jesus was baptized and everybody knew he was the son of God. He already was, but now everybody knows. When we were baptized, we are sent on mission. Thirdly, Israel was tested for 40 years, and Jesus is tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. Fourthly, Israel failed its wilderness testing. So while Jesus triumphs over Satan through obedience and self-abasement, these parallels are supported by Jesus' three responses to the devil taken from Deuteronomy 6-8. So these texts warn the Israelites against disobedience and reminded them of God's provisions in the wilderness. So morally, Jesus' victory sets an example for Christian obedience. Earthly life is a wilderness of trial for God's people en route to the land of heaven. Through this probationary period, God wills the faithful to overcome temptations from the world, the flesh, and the devil. So you and I should always be discerning, is this of the world, the spirit of the world? Is this a spirit of the flesh? Or is this the spirit of the evil one? And taking time each day just to reflect on those things will help you grow immensely during Lent. But also, triumph is possible through penance and obedience to God's word. So rather than earthly bread and power, the faithful must desire the food of God's will and the humility of Christ. So remember John 4, 34, where Jesus says, my, will is to do, or my food is to do the will of my Father. And if we take that disposition to hunger for that, to say, I'm not going to do it unless I believe it's God's will, or I'm praying for thy will be done. So the battle successfully won merits heavenly comfort in the company of angels. So church annually reminds us of this lifelong location during the 40 days of Lent. Because Jesus, we don't do anything Jesus wouldn't do, right? But Jesus is tempted by the devil. So having witnessed the Father's declaration, Satan tests Jesus' identity as a son of God. And notice how he does the same thing with you. Jesus will call you by your name and your identity, and the devil will call you by your sin and what you do. So Satan tests the identity of Jesus, and he does the same thing to us. So he tempts Jesus to embrace an earthly and political mission and seeks to divert him from suffering and death. So Peter later in Matthew 16 is rebuked when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because he refuses to accept Jesus' path of suffering. And maybe just ask yourself, do I accept this, the path of suffering? Not that I go looking for it, but you know, when it comes, do I complain and bicker? Now, do I want like a pristine, pretty Jesus or do I want to encounter him in his, in his suffering? Because nothing else will convert you faster than if you just take time to spend time with the, the passion narratives of what Jesus went through. Nothing, nothing else will. It's the most, you just watch The Passion of Christ by Mel Gibson and you'll be in tears and you'll pre- feel pretty small pretty quick. And in, in 553, the Second Council of Constantinople condemned the view that Jesus was impeccable only after his resurrection. So there's actually a heresy going around that people believe that Jesus was open to sin 
before, but he was, he was always God. God never sins. God is not a sinner. So on the contrary, Christ is a divine person and so could not have sinned at any time during his earthly life. But furthermore, his temptations came entirely from suggestions of a devil and had nothing to do with his inner struggles or disorders, disorder desires of fallen human nature that we experience. So he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. And I don't think it means hungry for food. I think it meant he was hungry for souls. And if you've ever fasted for someone, you really sacrificed, offered up different novenas, different uh, rosaries, you know, just different sacrifices for someone to come to know Christ. You could care less about food because you want them to come to know Christ. And you get a little feisty. You're willing to fight a little more. And I think, I think we need that. Because when Jesus came out at four days and four nights, he was on mission, if you know what I'm saying. He wasn't afraid. He went out and battled Satan. And right away, Satan comes after him, the tempter. You know, and he says, if you are the son of God. And that word if is kind of like, screw you. You know, Jesus is the son of God. He says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds in the mouth of God. That's how Jesus answers this, this statement. If you are the son of God, command these stones become loaves of bread. You know, he's just, he's just tempting. And when you and I enter into dialogue with the devil, what we have to do is tell him to shove it, and we have to shove the word of God down his throat. And you have permission to do that, because Jesus did it. Because then the devil took him to a holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. You know, when he uses those words, it is written, both Jesus and Satan quote scripture here. So whereas Jesus handles scripture with reverence and sensitivity, Satan misconstrues its meaning. So Satan's use of, of Psalm 91 violates its original meaning. The psalm encourages trust and faith in God's protection. Satan ain't doing that. It does not advocate testing him. Satan does that. So Jesus' proper interpretation of Deuteronomy 6.16 actually excludes the possibility of twisting Psalm 91 to justify testing God. The third temptation, the devil takes him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the, and, and the glory of them. He says, all these I'll give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and, his, and shall only serve him. So maybe just ask yourself, you know, what gets in the way of my relationship with Jesus? How often do I break the first commandment? Shall have no false gods. In all satanic worship, it's all rooted in, in, in worship of the, of the satanic, of, of all this earthly stuff. And unfortunately, some very disgusting stuff too. But we are called to only prostrate ourselves before the living God, Jesus. And after that, because Jesus shows humility, because he knows the truth, he's on mission. Says the devil left him, and, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So even angels minister to God. Do you have a devotion to your guardian angel? Do you call upon the archangels? I really encourage you to do that this Lent. And a few things I'm going to do, uh, maybe you can do it in solidarity with me. I'm going to pray the, the litany of trust and the litany of humility every day, but not necessarily for myself only, but also for everybody I minister to or who I come in contact with. 
it's very it's very tempting just to do things for yourself. Uh, I'll do other things too, which is between me and the Lord. But I encourage you maybe try that. Look up the litany of humility. Look up the litany of trust. And maybe pick one, but offer it for yourself, but also for those you'll encounter that day. You know, that's a, a great opportunity just to grow and die to self. There's so much extra grace is there. Maybe you're discerning a vocation or you know someone who's discerning a vocation and you can offer up extra sacrifices for that person. Maybe you know somebody whose family or marriage is struggling. Offer up those sacrifices for their marriage and that vocation. Maybe you're aware of just a, a bunch of lukewarm people in your faith, in your faith community, and you can offer up sacrifices for them, but they don't need to know what you're doing. If somebody asks you what you're doing for Lent, you don't have to explain everything. Because when we grow in intimacy with Jesus, we keep things in us and Him, our true, remember, remembering that our true reward is in heaven. Maybe just take time to do that. Remember that. And never tell anyone for the rest of your life the sacrifices you are making for your loved ones. And as we heard last weekend in our gospel, for our enemies and for those who persecute us. The song I'm going to play for you is called Weather and Stone. You know, the devil says, make the stone and the bread, you know. But I think sometimes we need to just be real and detach ourselves. Maybe give up social media this week, this Lent. Turn off the TV, turn off music in the car. Do some things where you're just doing it for the Lord and not worrying about the opinions of others. So you can be free and experience a desert and spend time with Jesus. Know my prayers for you. The song I'll play again is Weather and Stone by Mike Mangione. I hope it finds you well. And may Almighty God bless you and your loved ones this Lent. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Weather and Stone We reach for protection Wither and stone An echo of rejection Wither and stone Let your water will make me lose my mind Will make me wanna feel Wither and stone Every prophet needs protection Wither and stone Rock hollow by the water's direction Wither and stone Oh, they claw and they scream My mind will make me tear the scene Cause I wanna be someone Wanna leave this town Dust on an open road I float above the ground Where the flowing waters bound And the singer's song sound where my hang up start falling down with the cares I throw around mm-hmm. 
and stone Burn me in the trouble I've known Fire and stone Wind my flesh round the truth of the bone Fire and stone Purify the death I grow My mind make me run back home. Cause I want love so much. I hear my name. Beyond the city limit line, those words remain. Someone else feels the same. And the touch will cure the pain. That set my chest aflame to burn this heart of shame. I am no one but myself to blame for the weeds that choke the grain. We'll surrender before the weather's end. With the rocket, we'll Stone.